There are very few things that investors can do that are free. But what about a podcast that delivers educational content on investing, saving strategies, financial planning, topical items of interest, and maybe even the odd wacky topic? Welcome to Free Lunch, hosted by the CM Group. Free Lunch will bring listeners the team's vast knowledge and experience in dealing with uncertainty to help clients achieve their vision through a deep understanding of what is important to them that requires planning, money, and time. Learn more and subscribe today at markets-work.com. Welcome back to the Freelance Podcast with, as always, Greg and Colin. I say as always, but we've had other people and That's on the right. Show. It's, it's as usual, but maybe not always. Yeah. Okay. Usual is a better word. Greg, as always, last week we had a guest on our show, which yeah. isn't as always. It was as sometimes. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> so we had Shay Shatria join us from Russell Investments, and he gave us a temperature check on markets, the economy. There's a lot of good information in that episode. I would highly recommend anybody that hasn't listened to that one, go back and listen to it because these things are coming up a lot these days as the S&P 500 is at an all-time high. And there's some discussion about what's going to happen with interest rates and inflation and all that stuff, all that prognosticating that's going on these days. But today we're going to veer a little bit and we're going to talk about leadership. And Greg, I just finished season two of The Bear. You've seen this. I have. A wonderful show. Such a good show. Some stressful episodes, by the way. There were a couple episodes that really were chaotic, but the story is so good. And the takeaways from that show, and I don't want to give any spoilers here, what I took away from the show were around the issues of leadership that were demonstrated in the show. They did things like empowerment, delegation, building people up instead of tearing them down. Although there were a few episodes where they really did tear people down. (laughs) You got to just get through those episodes. Exactly. And leadership is such an important part of every organization, team, relationship. I don't think it gets enough press. Instead, the focus seems to be on things like, what did the Dow Jones do today? What was the price of oil trading at? So how about we talk about leadership in today's episode, Greg? Yeah, that makes sense. Why don't we dive in and talk about effective leadership as it relates to investment management. Exactly, because we are in the investment management world. That makes sense. But leadership is crucial in steering the ship through what they say is the financial seas. If we delve into the importance of leadership in investment management, Greg, do you have any data or statistics that would highlight for the listeners the impact of effective leadership on things like investment performance? Well, for sure. According to a recent study by the Harvard Business Review, Companies led by effective leaders in the investment sector consistently outperform their competitors. And that study found that the strategic vision, risk management skills, and the ability to make informed decisions were key factors contributing to that outperformance. Which is just a compelling argument for the importance of leadership in the financial world and really for the importance of compelling leadership. So if we break down the qualities that make an effective investment leader, are there any specific data points that you could give? So there was another study conducted by the CFA Institute. We reference these guys a lot, by the way. The CFA Institute does a lot of research and publishes a lot of research. That's all they do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's why. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's right. Uh, then they do other stuff too. This survey identified the top qualities that investment professionals believe are crucial for effective leadership. And those include integrity, the ability to communicate effectively, strategic vision, and adaptability. And interestingly, the survey also highlighted that successful leaders in investment management often possess a strong commitment to ongoing professional development. 
I can get behind that idea of ongoing professional development. In our world, we do have to do continuing education requirements every year. But personally, I mean, I went back to school in my 40s and did my MBA, and it was an MBA with a focus on leadership. And so I think that that would qualify as ongoing professional development. Let's actually talk about that a little bit, because good for you for doing that. I mean, in our business, you didn't have to do that. Most people in our business don't do that. Very often to meet continuing education requirements, lots of people might just take an online course, write the exam, and that's it. And then just trade stocks. That's right. (laughs) So when you think about it, I mean, for you to take on doing an executive MBA program while still being a high-quality investment professional, it shows not only a commitment, but what you specialized in were things like leadership, organizational effectiveness, total quality, things like that. And all of that feeds into how we run our business here. Like you've brought those skills to how we run our business, which in the end makes for a better experience for investors with our team. So kudos. I'm blushing right now, but I appreciate that. It was a very challenging course load, and it was honestly one of the most rewarding things I'd ever done intrinsically. But let's pivot to the client side of things. Enough about me, Greg. My point being is that what you did translates and carries over to the clients. I hope so. I mean, so the question is like, how does effective leadership play a role in working with clients and helping them do things like achieve goals? Do you have any data that supports the connection between leadership and client satisfaction? Indeed. And I know you're asking me that because you know I have information on that. (laughs) It's like I teed it up for you. Exactly. I chucked you a softball. There's an organization called the Investments and Wealth Institute, which, by the way, is the institution that sort of is the founder and promoter of the SEMA designation, the Certified Investment Management Analyst, which both you and I hold. So there's a report from the Investments and Wealth Institute that found a direct correlation between client satisfaction and the leadership qualities of financial advisors. So clients expressed higher satisfaction levels when their advisors demonstrated strong communication skills empathy, and a proactive approach to addressing their concerns. In fact, the study indicated that effective leadership and client interactions positively impacted client retention rates. I find that to be fascinating because most of the world views their financial professional as by rate of return. All that that study has demonstrated is that it's much more than that. It's fascinating to see the tangible impact of leadership on both investment performance, and client satisfaction. So let's tackle the challenge of market uncertainties because we live in a world that is forever uncertain and people are always trying to make certainty out of what's forever uncertain. So do you have any data or case studies that illustrate how effective leadership can make differences during times of volatility? Well, for sure. And probably the most volatile time many people have experienced was during the 2008 financial crisis. During that time, companies led by leaders who demonstrated resilience, transparency, and effective communication recovered faster than their counterparts, and a study published in the Journal of Finance found that companies with strong leadership weathered the storm more successfully, maintaining investor trust and recovering their stock values more rapidly as well. Makes sense. We referenced 2008 a lot in our shows because 2008 sucked. Yeah, (laughs) technically speaking. And you don't need to go back to grad school to get that term. What you've just shared are compelling examples, but what's your key piece of advice for aspiring leaders in investment management 
And if you have any data research to back that up. Yeah, I mean, I think the data consistently emphasizes the importance of continuous learning, as we talked about, and adaptability. And according to a report by McKinsey, successful leaders in investment management actively seek out new knowledge, embrace change, and cultivate a culture of innovation within their teams. So it's all about staying ahead of the curve and positioning yourself and your team for success in a financial landscape that's continually evolving. It's constantly changing. The only thing constant is change. That is a quote from an ancient Greek philosopher. I don't even remember the name, but you could look it up if you're interested. Okay. So I wanted to take some lessons from the bear and apply it to this episode, but I don't want to ruin the show for those that haven't seen it yet. So instead, I thought, well, let's take some lessons from Ted Lasso because that one's been out for a number of years now. The thing with Ted Lasso is that, well, first of all, it's such a great and entertaining show, but the underlying lessons of leadership are so evident in it. And we're going to get into those in a minute. We're going to quote somebody named Laura, who actually I studied when I was doing my leadership program. Before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about why leaders fail. And another person that we studied is a guy named John Cotter. And he is a, currently is a professor at Harvard in their business school. And he's been a professor there since 1972. That sounds like about 51 years or something. 52 years. Yeah. That's a long time. Now, John Cotter is a very well-cited scholar. And in 1995, he wrote a paper about why leaders fail. And I think it's important to address these issues as well. So here are the reasons that he states. You could actually take it in the inverse order or reverse order, and it would be how leaders succeed. But this is why they fail. Number one, not establishing a great enough sense of urgency. So seeing an issue and not highlighting the importance of it. Number two, not creating a powerful enough guiding coalition. This is an important one because it's like you cannot instill change in an organization as a lone wolf. You need to have others with you. Number three, lacking a vision. That one makes sense. Number four, under communicating the vision by a factor of 10. It's not good enough to have a vision. You've got to communicate it over and over again. Number five, not removing obstacles to the new vision. Number six, not systematically and planning for creating short-term wins. Or the inverse way of saying this, in order to be successful, you actually need to create short-term wins and you need to celebrate them. Number seven, declaring victory too soon. That's a big one. And number eight, not anchoring changes in the corporation's culture. It's not good enough to say things like, we need to change the culture of our organization. That doesn't do anything. If you establish why, what's missing, put a vision behind it, communicate the vision, remove the obstacles to the vision, celebrate some little wins along the way, and be careful not to declare victory too soon, then hopefully you will anchor those changes in your culture. So that was a long dissertation, Greg. But let's get into how this is played out in the show Ted Lasso. So we've got this world, we're surrounded by serious leadership guides. I just mentioned one, John Cotter. And there's all the kinds of corporate training that goes into organizations. But you had this refreshingly optimistic show where you had this plain Jane looking dude. Can you say that? Dude? Sure. You can say dude. Yeah, that's nothing wrong with saying dude, right? No. Big mustache with a big heart and a humorous way of being effective in delivering his message. He was a soccer coach on the show, Ted Lasso. So I want to go through the 10 things that we can learn from his leadership style that might just change the way we see the world of leadership. 
These are not spoilers per se, and so anybody who has not yet seen Ted Lasso, for the three or four people out there, you can probably, if you don't have Amazon Prime, you can probably sign up for a free trial and get all three seasons of Ted Lasso in before your free trial period (laughs) runs out. Yeah, they're just half-hour episodes. That's right. Colin, are we recommending people watch Ted Lasso? Of course. Of course. I was in Saskatoon recently visiting my extended family, and my parents had never seen Ted Lasso. Wow. So I put it on for them, and I made them watch three episodes. Well, I'm happy to say they've carried on, and I think they're on season two. I would think. Here's some things that we can learn from Ted Lasso's leadership style. Number one is see the good. So Ted Lasso's unwavering positivity is a superpower. In the face of adversity, he maintains a bright outlook that's infectious. So just think of the impact we could make in the working world if all leaders brought this positivity to their team's daily lives. I mean, impressive. Yeah, instead of just focusing on the negative of what we're not getting done right. There's always stuff to be unhappy about, but if you can remain positive, that carries through. That's infectious. Number two is focus on potential, not just performance. Ted genuinely cares about his players as individuals. He invests time in understanding their personal lives, motivations, and what's holding them back. And it's a reminder that leadership is about more than just bottom line results. It's about nurturing human potential, and then the results take care of themselves. So really focusing on people's potential. Third, build relationships with empathy. We talked about empathy earlier. Ted always makes time for his team members. He listens, understands, and supports everyone around him. And his empathy helps him build strong connections, creating a culture of trust and open communications. He sees the best in people and is gracious in offering understanding and forgiveness. Yeah, empathy is a big one. That whole emotional intelligence can't be understated. So number four is lead by example. So Ted doesn't ask his team to do anything he wouldn't do himself. We see this in the working world where if somebody asks you to do something that they wouldn't do, you question, should you be doing it? So he embodies the spirit of hard work, commitment, setting powerful examples. He's not afraid of holding his hands up when he's made a mistake and shares his own failures and learnings openly. That's huge because we all make mistakes. We often talk about it as a group. It's okay to make a mistake. Everybody's made a mistake at times. What do you do after you've made the mistake? That's right. Number five, adapt and overcome. So when faced with unfamiliar territory, let's face it, he was a football coach, American football, that went over to the UK to be a football coach, i.e. soccer. That couldn't have been easy. But he focuses on what's possible. He tackles challenges head on and embraces the opportunity to learn and adapt. So In his world, there's always a way. You just need to find it. Number six, to me, is a big one, authenticity. And authenticity is magnetic. So he's always unapologetically himself. He's quirky all the time, which makes him vulnerable. His authenticity resonates with others, makes him relatable, likable, draws people in and makes them want to follow his lead. He's a master storyteller and uses stories to help others with their own self-discovery. Well, that authenticity, it's consistency. When you're your authentic self, in our business, when we're meeting with clients, when we're discussing investment strategies or whatever, we have things we believe in, and we're consistent. We know what we believe in. We're authentic about that. But the other thing is the consistency. Everyone knows what to expect. And with Ted Lasso, his authenticity is you knew what to expect every time. Let's carry on with that for a minute. So, you know, we've had lots of people referred to us over the years. 
from current clients, friends, whatever. Sometimes people come in, they've really focused on things like stock trading, which is not what we recommend people spend their time on. It would be inauthentic to take that person on as a client with this idea that we're going to be master stock pickers. So instead, we have to be authentic with them and share that that's not what we believe in. Yeah, right on. Okay, number seven. This is a big one for us. Humor breaks down barriers. Ted's humor lightens the mood and creates a sense of camaraderie. Laughter helps dissolve tension and reminds us that it's totally possible that hard, serious work can coexist with a good chuckle. You, of course, believe strongly in that, and you use humor all the time. It always strikes me it's so funny that people think that not having humor is a sign of seriousness. You can be a serious person, you can do serious work, and still have a sense of humor. Everybody loves a good laugh. Even Eugene Fama, the father of modern finance, is a funny guy. He is. <laughs> no, that's right. Okay, number eight, treat everyone equally. Ted treats everyone with the same level of respect, which encourages a sense of unity and togetherness, and it makes the team around him feel like they belong. So he's created an environment where everyone can truly shine. Number nine, patience is a virtue. He knows that growth takes time. He doesn't rush progress, but nurtures it gradually, believing that small steps lead to lasting change. Number 10, Ted Lasso, celebrate wins big and small. You alluded to that earlier when it comes to some of the things getting in the way of effective leadership. Ted knows the importance of celebrating achievements, however big or small, and this reinforces positive behavior and creates a culture of appreciation. His response when things go wrong is telling. Rather than see failure as a weakness, he shows others that it's an opportunity to learn and grow. So there it is. I mean, as I say, anyone that hasn't Watch Ted Lasso should, because it's hard not to love that show. Let's bridge the gap here, though, Greg. Let's take it back to our business a little bit, because these are all good things. All those 10 things relate directly to the eight things that John Cotter posted about effective leadership. But in our world, it would be, how would you say it? Of course, table stakes is a term you use all the time. Table stakes are that you got to be able to invest money. That's just a given. But for us, you've got to be able to lead a relationship down a journey, a path. It's not just the transactional nature of investing the money. You've got to be able to establish some goals, qualitative and quantitative. You've got to be able to create a roadmap of items to accomplish, which helps everybody create small wins that lead to a bigger picture. You've got to be able to plan, do, check, and act. You've done the planning. You've got to be able to implement it. You've got to be able to check back on your results. And you've got to be able to adjust accordingly when needed. And you've got to be working with somebody that can do all of those things in being your leader. Investors are looking for that. Listen, there's a group of investors who want to or choose to do it themselves all the more power to them if that's the way they choose to do it. If somebody chooses to use an investment advisor you know, or a wealth manager, then they're looking to that person to provide leadership, to help them develop the strategy, develop the vision, build a plan to manage through the process. We know the markets don't always go our way, but if you have a solid financial plan, and we've worked through many periods of time with clients where yeah, the markets didn't deliver, but the financial plan is still on track. I mean, that's a win. It doesn't feel as good as when the markets go up all the time, 
But if you've developed a plan that includes the likelihood of periods of time when the markets don't behave the way we would all like and can still feel positive about the direction of things, then that's a win. And that's what investors are looking for. They hire advisors, not just for advice, but for leadership. I had a call with somebody recently and she said that her kids had told her that she could just cash out, put everything into a couple of broad-based ETFs and just leave it. And she asked for my opinion on this. And I said, yeah, you absolutely can do that. But you're going to maybe miss some steps. You're going to have to decide what's your proper asset allocation that you need. That's your first decision you're going to need to make. That's going to only come from determining how much risk is relevant to your situation and what you want to accomplish. Then you're going to have to find out, well, which products should I purchase? There's going to be trade costs associated with that. You're going to have to figure out how often do I rebalance these products? How much do I skew my investment portfolio or let it skew? And then you're going to have to go through various cycles like 2008 or March of 2020 or, I don't know, 2022. (laughs) And have the resolve to stay invested and stick to whatever plan you've devised for yourself without the benefit of somebody helping you along the way. You're going to have to figure out how you're going to deal with all the headlines that you're going to be faced with about whatever, Middle East war, inflation, interest rates, jobless rates, upcoming presidential elections. There's one coming up, by the way, Greg. I've heard. Yeah. (laughs) Getting a little tired of that already, but it's just going to be here for a while. You're going to figure out how to deal with all that stuff. Then you're going to have to figure out what kind of planning are you going to need for your state your charitable giving, your gifting. Anyways, I could go on. I feel like I'm just rattling. Well, no, but I think the point is that it can be done and it takes a commitment. Some people can develop a fitness routine for themselves and stick to it. Others, they need a coach. They need a trainer or whatever to be able to develop a plan and stick to it. And so depending on the kind of investor you are, you're either going to do it yourself or you're going to seek somebody to help you with that process. And Given the business we're in, we deal with people who believe they could use the value of a wealth advisor. And that's where our skills as leaders and planners and that kind of thing really comes to the fore. Well, and I'll give you the punchline for my conversation with this person. At the end of our conversation, she said, this is exactly why I deal with you, is because I can't take all that stuff on myself. I'm happy to deal with you now and going forward. So kudos to us, Greg. Excellent story. (laughs) Craig, am I recommending people deal with the CM group? Well, absolutely. Why of not? Course. <laughs> I was actually thinking in future episodes, because I listen to a lot of podcasts, Smartless and some others, and they always have ads in between. In the future, I think we'll put a couple ads we'll in. We'll run ours. some ads. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It'll be self-promoting <laughs> ads. <laughs> I think that that probably yep, does that, it for today. That, that wraps it up. We'll see you next time. All right. Thank you for listening to the Free Lunch Podcast hosted by the CM Group. To subscribe to this podcast to get more realistic insights on investing or to connect with one of our talented partners, please head on over to markets-work.com. We'll see you next time on the Free Lunch Podcast. The CIBC logo and CIBC Private Wealth are registered trademarks of CIBC. If you are currently a CIBC with Gundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Private Wealth consists of services provided by CIBC and its subsidiaries, including CIBC with Gundy, a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. CIBC Private Wealth is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Wood Gundy is a registered trademark of CIBC World Markets, Inc.
Call Andrews and Greg Kaminsky are investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy. This information, including any opinion, is based on various sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy cannot be guaranteed and is subject to change. CIBC and CIBC World Markets, Inc., their affiliates, directors, officers, and employees may buy, sell, or hold a position in securities of a company mentioned herein, its affiliates, or subsidiaries, and may also perform financial advisory services, investment banking, or other services for or have lending or other credit relationships with the same. CIBC World Markets, Inc. and its representatives will receive sales commissions and or a spread between bid and ask prices if you purchase, sell, or hold the securities referred to above. CIBC World Markets, Inc. 2024.